0: today we're gonna be reading Ephesians chapter 4 verse 17 through 24 now this I say and testify in the Lord that you no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their minds they are darkened in their understanding alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance that is into them due to the hardness of their heart they become callous and give themselves up to sensuality greedy to practice every kind of impurity but that is not the way you learn Christ assuming that you have heard about him and were taught in him as the truth is in Jesus. Put off your old self, which belongs to the former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and be renewed in the spirit of your minds and put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. This is the word of the Lord. I right, feel free to have a seat. Man, it is good to be together again and, uh, just be worshiping the Lord. Um, uh, I was thinking while we were uh, some of the worship lyrics about uh, our sin, and then um, also our confession assurance that we do every week. Uh, I, I know that I've heard from people uh, past years um, as we've been doing things like this as as a church um, that. Like, why are you focusing on sin? Like, aren't if we put our trust in Jesus, like he removes that sin from us, and and uh, we walk in like newness of life and things like that. And I just kind of want to say briefly the amazing thing that we're prayerfully anticipating every Sunday when we come together is that. God himself actually turns this into a sanctuary. Like, this is a cafeteria. It's a beautiful cafeteria. My cafeteria wasn't this nice when I was in school. It's a beautiful cafeteria, but uh, when his presence comes with his people, it becomes a sanctuary. And even people in Scripture who have been walking with God for decades, Jeremiah, for instance, in the old, uh, an old, one of the big Old Testament prophets, when he... Got closer to God and he saw the presence of God. His first reaction, his first reaction was an awareness of his sin and a heightened awareness of that is God and I am not. (laughs) I am so far from that. And sometimes it's almost like a, therefore, I will die right now. Um, we see that as a pattern and where God actually has to, you, know, you see this in Jesus a lot of times when he comes to people or when angels come to people, the first line is, don't be afraid. I know this is a lot to take in, but don't be afraid because we, f- we freak out. We could when we see the presence of God. So as we confess our sin, a lot of what we're aware of and what we are sometimes that's a prayer of heightened awareness that, God, as we come closer to you, yes, there's greater freedom joy in your presence. But there's also many times a heightened awareness of our sin and confessing that to him, letting, just naming it and letting him name who we are uh, is vibrant life in him. And so, uh, so as we, um, and I wasn't planning on saying any of that this morning, but I was just kind of feeling that of wanting us to actually anticipate confessing our sin, anticipate Together, going into that place, recognizing that the closer we go to Him, the closer we see that it's only His grace that allows us to be there as well, which is beautiful. Um, but can I pray for us as we move into the Word of God this morning, um, Lord? We we are praying to you a lot this morning, um, but we know Jesus Himself would spend entire nights praying to you. Um, we don't want to be playing church this morning. Uh, We don't want to just come and kind of wear shiny, happy faces and leave. We actually want to encounter the living God through the living word. And would you keep our walls down? Would you keep us open to you? Insecurities that might come in, voices that might name us something that's different than how you name us. Lord, we just ask that you would drive that away, that we would clearly see you this morning and that we would all be changed for our good and for your glory. We pray these things, amen. Um, I was exposed to some things this week that made me think of our use of social media and how so often I even turn to social media for recognition. So it's like, oh, wow, this is like, I am right now experiencing a beautiful moment Like, aesthetically, it's beautiful. There's some neat things that are happening. I need to capture this, because this is beautiful, and then all put this out there as if my life is always like this <laughs> in some ways, and, uh, and then I'll, I'll be continually looking to make sure everybody's liking it because, you know, that's also uh, feeding me. And we don't, there's great, great, great elements to social media and Instagram and all that stuff, um, but I think many times we share our story, and a part of that is recognition. Okay, so in sharing our story, we're kind of looking for recognition, um, and there's a contrast to an AA meeting. okay I don't know if a lot of you have been in an AA meeting. I shared this at the men's gathering uh, yesterday. Um, but in an AA meeting, people share their story, but they're not typically sharing it for recognition. They're sharing it out of a place of recovery. And when we share our story on on like Instagram, we're kind of wanting to be unique. You know? So it's not like, if all of your friends, if we're all posting the same photo, it's like, why would you do that? Like, that's all, I'm not gonna like your photo because it looks like my photo, you know? Um, but in an AA meeting, people, if you listen, people are sharing the same story. But it's actually in hearing someone else's story that you actually have solidarity with that person, that you recognize like the recovery that you found. And sometimes hearing someone's story, actually it's like you're testing out their story. So you're like, oh, wow, a lot of your story sounds like my story and you found a lot of recovery and peace and maybe I can try on your story and I can find that recovery and peace too. So instead of recognition, we're sharing our story for recovery's sake, and to to actually say like, hey, I'm like you, my story's like yours, and you can have the hope that I have. And I spent most of this past week, or a big chunk of it, in Georgia, of all places, And uh, I was with 160 other guys who are planting churches, lead pastors of church plants throughout North America. There's this guy that was great. It was really hard. I had a hard time understanding him, but it ended up that he came um, from Rwanda and from Rwanda, he planted several churches in Germany of all places. Uh, Then he was speaking, he was planting French speaking churches or no, he's speaking, planting German speaking churches in Germany, but then he was in Toronto now, planting French speaking churches in Toronto. And when you ad- heard about his story, which is vastly different than my story, it was the same story, which was he had been radically changed by Jesus. And it changed his life, and he just did what Jesus asked him to do. And Jesus is the one that does radical things, and no two snowflakes are the same. You know, he loves diversity, and they're still his people, you know. But there was a guy named Kenneth that, I mean, every time I sat down at breakfast or lunch or dinner, I was just kind of like, okay, Jesus, you're on the move. Show me these stories of these guys. So there's this guy sitting right next to me, and he looked like a farmer and stuff, and I was just like, hey, what's your story? and he's like, man, I grew up in Arkansas, and he said, my parents refused to teach me how to read and write. Just like, wouldn't teach me. And he was like, man, I I graduated from high school, which that's a secondary story, how you can graduate without knowing how to read or write from high school in Arkansas, but insert the joke if you want. But um, but that was his story. Um, And then he He got into drugs and all and he was like, man, I was low as low as low could get. And then he paused and he looked at me and he said, then Jesus touched me. Just like that. And I was just like, I mean, you would have thought there was like symbols right behind him that crashed when he said that, you know, because it was just like, and then he said, um, he said, I wanted to like go to school to learn the Bible, to preach the Bible. And so he was like, I went to my high school and asked for my transcripts. And he said they laughed in my face. And like literally just like, you know, he was the bottom of the barrel of school in his high school. And and so they gave them to him like reluctantly. And then he went to Pennsylvania of all places and went to Bible college there. And he said that he would write papers by saying words into his phone. Uh, then when Siri would write the Word, he would write it down, you know? Like, that's how he taught himself how to read and write, by learning the Word of God, writing the Word of God. And then he looked at me and he said, graduated first in my class. I was like, of course you did, you know? And then, uh, and he's planting a church in Rapid City, South Dakota, right now, like, making much of Jesus, you know? So if you go to Sturgis or you're going wherever, like, stop by, his name's Kenneth, find him out, you know, hear his story. But it it wasn't having to do with the pastors as much as the stories of the churches. It was one after another that's like, man, Jesus is so alive and well. He is doing fine. And the stories that he's writing are just as amazing as the stories in the New Testament that we're reading because he's the same. Why would we not expect similar things to happen? Um, Another story that has been like, that's my story is Kanye West. I mean, come on. Yeah, I mean, you just can't get away from it, right? And we shouldn't get away from it. We shouldn't, we shouldn't grow like calloused to a guy who, when uh, James Corden or whatever his name is, uh, on the airplane with him, if you guys have seen that YouTube video, is just like, hey, what do you say to people who are like, this probably isn't real or it's probably not gonna stick? And if you've seen that, if you're one of the millions of people that have watched that, which is incredible, because he is preaching the gospel everywhere he's going. He seems to be doing it with humility. He seems to be doing it in a non-Kanye way, right? Because I think he's found another way that isn't his way. And he is delighting in that, and he's confident in that. But when he was asked, like, what if this isn't real? He, he, he said, hey, you might have seen this. He talked about being asleep, He's like, when you're asleep, you're asleep, and you're in a state of being asleep, and he even said, Scripture calls that being dead in your sin, and which we've already looked at in the book of Ephesians as we preach through it, but he was like, I was asleep, and then he said, I'm awake now, and now I'm in a state of being awake, and that's my story. I'm awake in Jesus, and uh, and I was like, man, that's my story too, and that's the story of many of us here as well, and... um, As we're going through the book of Ephesians, where we're at in Ephesians 4 this morning is that uh, this is a letter that is custom written for the first century church in Ephesus, okay? It's uh, east of, of Rome, across the water there, the Aegean Sea. It is custom made for the church in Ephesus, but in a way that only Jesus could do it. None of us are creative enough to do it, knowledgeable enough to do it, but in a way that only Jesus could do it, this is custom written for us in Collins, Iowa, November 3rd, 2019, to feast on, to grow in, to hear from. And what it's great is it's it what we're learning is the story of the Ephesians. And the story of people who were asleep and now are awake, and their story is our story. And we get to walk into that this morning. And um, as they put on Jesus and they put off the flesh, we might put on Jesus and put off the flesh. In the recovery they found, we might find recovery. As they were asleep, we were asleep. As they woke up, hopefully we wake up and stay awake. We don't kind of live in this, like I just woke up from like a power nap and I'm, I'm like foggy, but be really awake. So let the word, the living Lord of the word, teach us this morning on this topic for us, for our community, for our church in verse 17 of chapter 4. Look at verse 17 of chapter 4. Now this I say and testify in the Lord, that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They're darkened in their understanding. They're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. What this is describing, and this is like, if you like to take notes, like we've got three points that have come coming out of this passage, this first point that this is describing is it's describing a life that's asleep. Just as clear as we can be, it's a life that's asleep. They're asleep to the things of God. I spent half of my life this way. It wasn't until I started getting close to Christians, it wasn't until I got deeper into my sin that I thought was going to satisfy, but it became this bottomless pit, that it started becoming clear to me, it was funny, it was clear to me that I was darkened in my understanding. Um, I was sharing this with Ian this morning as we were setting up the church. I remember when I was in college, I was on the rugby team at the University of Northern Iowa. I think I had, like, filled out some card that says I was kind of interested in Jesus, and I remember this guy met with me. And as we sat down, he, he was uh, opening to the book of Romans, and he shared a passage, and he even had me read the, He like, took his Bible, he turned it around, he goes, hey, Tim, right there, can you read that out loud? And I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I did pretty good at school. I can read out loud, you know? So, like, I read this passage out loud, and he said to me, um, hey, what you just read, what does that mean? And, uh, man, I remember, like, looking at it, and it was almost like I, I needed glasses to put on, but, like, I didn't have them, and it was, like, fuzzy. I mean, I could see the letters, but, like, I didn't know what it meant, and I remember I just looked at him and I kind of looked back. I looked at him and I said, "I don't know." I don't know what that means. I remember thinking like, "I should know what that means." Like it's a clear sentence, but like I didn't know what it meant. Like it it felt to me like it like it would just like bounced off of me. Just bounced off of me. And man, he just was like, he was like, "Hey, let's just leave it there." And he didn't try and, like, wrestle me into anything. He was just like, hey, let's, let's pray and ask God that you might understand what that means one day. And, uh, and he prayed. And what I would say was, like, I was asleep. I was asleep to the things of God, to the life of God. I was, I was asleep. Uh, what's weird, though, is it's hard to know that you're asleep. I remember Silas, like, sharing a story of a dream that he had where he realized in his dream he was asleep. And because he knew he was asleep, like, he... <laughs> He started like mocking the people in his dream. It was awesome, man, because he knew he was asleep, and he was like, "Oh, you're not. I'm asleep. I'm dreaming." Like, and he was like having this ongoing conversation. And like, my brain doesn't work that way. I've never, when I'm asleep, I don't know I'm asleep, right? When I'm dreaming, I don't know I'm dreaming. I'm just asleep. And Ephesians four, what's amazing here, it gives us evidence to know if we're sleeping. Okay, look at verse eighteen. They are darkened in their understanding. This is when our understanding of God, like I said, just seems to be blocked. Like, we will never fully know him. That is true. Like, none of us. How awake we can be, it'll take us forever, and we'll still be learning things about him. Okay? So, but there is a sense that we should know what he has revealed to us. If he's like, hey, I'm not, not like, playing hide-and-go-seek with humanity, like, here I am. This is, a, this is me, and you can learn about me. I want you to know about me. You don't check your brain at the door when you walk into church. This you can feast on and learn from for the rest of your life about who I am, my character, my love for you, my commitment to you, all of those things, right? But we should know that. But if you feel like it's just bouncing off of you, it might be because you're asleep. Okay? Next Alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to their hardness of heart. I remember thinking at one time that talking with God, being around God's people, was death. It was like, man, you want me to like hang out with church people? Like, you want me to like like go on a retreat with like a hundred Ned Flanders, you know? It was like no thank you. <laughs> like there are a thousand other things that I would be happy to do other than be around. And I'm not saying Ned Flanders is the like typical, but uh, but being around the life of God, um, it was boredom for me, not excitement. It was torture, not freedom. My heart had become hardened where I couldn't see that the life of God was where I wanted to live. Psalm 84:10 says this: Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. If I could just be in the entryway of your courts, if I could just be in the entryway of your house just for one day, just one day, like, that would give me enough life for a thousand days somewhere else. I would rather be a doorkeeper In the house of my God, than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Even if that's in the largest mansion, all that stuff. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Like, that's yearning for the life of God. And here, it's saying when you're asleep, you're alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that's in you due to your hardness of heart. There's a time, instead of me saying, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere, I would have said there's a thousand places I'd rather be than around your people, God. Paul is saying that this is, this is being asleep. Verse 19, they have become callous and have given themselves to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This is a verse that I think should make us tremble a little bit because like the longer we push God away, the longer we enjoy being asleep. The more callous people become, they don't want to wake up. F.F. F. Bruce is a brilliant scholar who defines the hardening of hearts as the progressive inability of conscience to convict them of wrongdoing. Progressive in- inability. Um, this is why Hebrews 3.15 says, Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. If any of us hear God speaking to us, and we instead go, eh, I'll listen to him in a year, kind of enjoying where I'm at right now. Not really, but I'm trying to convince myself I'm enjoying where I'm at right now, and I'll maybe listen to him in a year. This is telling us, like, man, you're not going to stay there. You're going to become more callous. You're going to move towards sin. Hebrews 3.15 tells us, when you hear his voice, wake up. Is sin increasing in your life? Is sin increasing in your life? Are you more bold to try things, to say things, to do things than you used to be? Do you feel less and less convicted of things that would have convicted you earlier in life? If you're like, man, that would have messed me up, and now it's kind of like normal. These can all be signs that you are asleep or you're falling back asleep, living like you're asleep with a coworker, with pornography, with greed, with pride, with unhealthy coping mechanisms, food, um, social media, binging on Netflix, whatever it may be, with anger, out of control. There were a bunch of people who were asleep in Ephesus. This is describing a bunch of people who were asleep in Ephesus. If you're saying, man, I think this is me, I think verses 17 through 19 describe me pretty accurately, or maybe, like someone in recovery, you know that verses 17 through 19 have described me. Like when you talk to an AA person in recovery, they're never like, yeah, I used to be an alcoholic. They're like, I'm an alcoholic. I know like, that's like a deep bent for me, and I always must be aware of it, or I will quickly return to it, right? Um, maybe this has described me. Hey, all of that is a gift. Knowing where you are at with God is a gift, it really is. It's a gift to know where you are, right? Like if, I, if you give you like Google Maps on your phone and it can't figure out where you're at, it's like turn left now. And you're like, but I don't know where, I, it doesn't know where I'm at. Like I'm looking at the pin and it's in Chicago and it's telling me to turn left now. You know, it's like that helps me zero because I don't know where I'm at. But if you actually know where you're at and it's like, oh yeah, that is where I'm at. It's telling me to turn left now. I can turn left now because I know where I'm at. And this is Paul saying, hey, this, if you're asleep, and these things are true of you being asleep, like, you're welcome. <laughs> like, you know where you're at. God has opened your eyes to where you're at. Or that's where I've been. And, I, and yes, that, has, that is where I've been. Because you know you need to wake up. Look at verse 20. Okay, so this is our first point was, was about being asleep. This one is the way to wake up. Okay, this is all like terrible news if we can't wake up, right? If we're just perpetually asleep, we just, we're just super depressed. But this is the way to wake up. Verse 20, that is not the way you learned Christ. Assuming that you have heard about him, were taught in him, the truth is in Jesus. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life, and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Verse 20 is in sharp contrast to what we've been looking at, and it's a weird sentence. Verse 20 is a weird sentence. Usually when the word learned occurs in the Greek language that this was originally written in, it's followed by a law. So it'd be like, um, hey, I stopped speeding when I learned what the speed limit was. Like, when I learned a fact, it led me to action. But here, verse 20 doesn't say that. It says, but that is not the way you learned Christ. The idea of learning Christ means welcoming him. Lord, would you just show this to our hearts? Because this feels pivotal to me. The idea of learning Christ means welcoming him as a living person and being shaped by his teaching. Welcoming him as a living person and being shaped by his teaching. That's how we wake up. Verse 21, assuming that you have heard about him. I'm not going to assume it, but I'm I'm kind of assuming right now that you've heard about him. So it's okay to say, hey, I haven't heard about him. I want to hear about him. We're taught in him the truth is in Jesus. Have you heard about him? Not a version of him that's just like a good moral teacher, not a version of him where you, you just kind of encounter him at a church for an hour on, on Sunday, and then he kind of just floats away in the clouds, and then he'll come back for an hour on Sunday. That's not him, that's not real. Have you heard about his perfect life that's lived for you? Have you heard about his teachings? Have you heard of his death on the cross for you? Not not like for a generic you, but for you personally. Paying the penalty of your sins. The, it, this is singular that you learned Christ. He's speaking not to the room, he's speaking to you. Have you heard that that death couldn't hold him? Have you heard he conquered death and he is seated at the right hand of the Father? Have you heard that he's alive? That's not the way you learned about Christ. No, it's, that's the way you learned Christ. He's alive and well. He's, the business of, he's in the business of breaking into our lives, even today, even in Kenneth in South Dakota, and of us here in central Iowa. As people hear about him, but as people hear him, they're taught in him. The truth is in Jesus. It's not in teachings about Jesus, but the truth is in Jesus. Augustine is one of the most famous theologians in history. St. Augustine, Florida is named after Augustine. Um, He lived 1,600 years ago in Africa. He was a North African. Um, He didn't become a Christian until he was in his mid to late 30s. Um, One of the things fascinating about Augustine is he knew he was asleep. And he actually tried multiple religions to wake up. So by the time he actually went to consider what Jesus had to say, he had actually like become teachers. It, it'd be like he became like an imam in Islam first, and uh, Islam wasn't around at that time, but, but it was like he did these, he became a maneki, was like a religious thing at the time, and so he tried all these ways to wake up, and he realized he was still asleep. And one of the things that he's famous for saying is this, I believe in order to understand. I believe in order to understand. What's he talking about here? Well, in his day, which is the same in our day, what's popular is that you need to fully understand everything before you believe. Okay? So it would be like saying, hey, I know I'm asleep, but I'm going to learn everything I can about being awake and fully understand awakeness before I wake up. And it doesn't work that way, right? It's not like, hey, I need to know everything about being awake before I wake up. It's like, well, you're asleep. I can't, I can't teach you this while you're asleep because you're asleep. You just, it just doesn't work that way. And what he realized was it was in believing, in coming to Jesus, that he woke up and then was taught about what it looks like to be awake. That's why he says, I believe in order to understand. Um, is this what we're walking in? Uh, will you maybe this morning make the most radical decision you've ever made in your life? Will you look to Jesus to wake up? Later in this book of the Bible, Ephesians five fourteen says this, Awake, O sleeper, Awake, O sleeper, rise up from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I love that. It's like we wake up putting our trust in Jesus, and then Jesus is like, here's a flashlight, buddy. And then you can shine that in the, the corners of your life that have been so dark, and it's like, oh. And then you can shine in here and be like, oh, whoa, look at that. Look what's happening in there. And you, he will give us light. As we wake up in him, verse 22 describes this more. Putting off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. And we've all been there. The things that we thought would make us happy, bring fulfillment, contentment, peace, they leave us empty. They're deceitful desires. Waking up to Jesus, he gives us the power to put off our old self. That's waking up, waking up to his ways. Once we find in Jesus the way to wake up, then he doesn't just be like, hey, awesome, I'll see you in heaven. Guys, you're awake now. But he actually gives us a purpose as awake people. And uh, this is the third point, is to live a life that's awake. How do we live a life that's awake? Uh, That's verse 23. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God, in true righteousness and holiness. To be renewed in the spirit of your minds is, this is a fascinating sentence. Um, the verb renewed here, um, in the original language, we're going to geek out in grammar a little bit here for a second, because it, it, Jesus like purposely chose the form of this word to actually reveal uh, like kind of the multifaceted aspects of the diamond that he's talking about, is when he says renewed, it's a passive verb. Okay, so the verb is passive, um, but it's not just a passive verb, it's a passive imperative. So an imperative is a command, okay? So what passive means is it's a command, but you can't do it. An outside agent has to fulfill the verb that you're commanded to do. So it's like you're commanded to be renewed, but it's passive. It's like be renewed, but you can't do it. Like, you could try to, like, fulfill that verb, but you can't. Like, he actually just kind of bottled up that verb in a way to, to just blow up for us our thinking that we can just kind of try harder to be renewed in the spirits of our mind. But instead, God, as the agent, does the renewing. We're commanded to do it, which means our response is to look to him. To be like, I want to be renewed. I want to live a life that's awake. Ah, oh, I better try it. no. Hey, I'm looking to you. Would you do that in me? Would you do that through me? That's my desire, and I know only you can give me the power, and only you can do it through me to live this life and not live like I'm asleep. As we do this, we are putting on the new self, verse 24, to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Being asleep is living in the old self. It's the story of us all. Living awake is putting off the old self, letting God continually put on the new self. So he's like that guy at the, at the, that's like adjusting your clothes and all that stuff, and you know, you just kind of stand like this, right? Or I don't know what this, or I haven't done it in a long time, but they like put the jacket on you, you know? And, and you can't do it yourself. Like, and that's him putting it on you, being alive, living in the new self, awake, created in the likeness of God. Like, that's crazy. So as we share our recovery story, we know that, man, I used to be asleep, and that was referred to as death in the old self. And in Christ, and learning him, believing in him, letting him teach me, I am now putting on the new self. And it's referred to as the likeness of God. It looks more like God than it does the old self. And he commands us to do this, not because he's mean. He commands us to do, it, to do this because he wants us to have joy. He wants us to have, like, not just this, this like, topsoil level. I like topsoil, man. Ben used that to refer to some stuff yesterday. This topsoil level of happiness is not what he's after. He's after the joy that is deep and that actually can, can weather storms and we're made for, for thriving in him. And he adds a saying, in true righteousness and holiness. Righteousness is just described as, is it right between me and God? If God was like, man, you're righteous, it just means that it's right between you and God. And we can pretend that it's right, but that's why he says in true righteousness. That when he looks at our sin and we are in Christ, we have our new, new Christ self. We are little Christ Christians, that then he's like, man, it is right between us. It's truly right between us. And holiness Holiness is, um, God says, be holy because I am holy. Holiness, like, burns away the desires of our old self. Holiness is like this refining fire that, uh, that God moves in us in a way that those deceitful desires start fading away. That, that more and more and more we're looking like Jesus. Now, we have a long ways to go, but progressively, our lives reflect more his life than they do our old life. Man, Where do we go from here? If the Lord has shown you you are asleep, I would say, wake up, oh sleeper, and Christ will give you light. If you say, well, man, he doesn't know what I've done. It's like, no, he actually does know what you've done. And he still has you in here this morning hearing this message. This is not my message. These are his words. Um, The things that are my words and not his words, I hope that they just bounce off of you. But the things that are his words that have been spoken, I pray that they would find their home in your heart, inside of you. Christ would give you light and you would awake. Man, for those of us who we do know that by God's grace we are awake, Man, I hope we all desire more and more to put on the new self, to grow in Jesus, to be a more awake than we've ever been. Walking in true righteousness and holiness, not for recognition, but to live a life of recovery in our community, in our families, for our kids to see, not that my parents thought they were perfect, but that my parents thought that Jesus was perfect. And man, they limped along as he was recovery, doing a work of recovery in them and through them for their good, for our joy, for the worship of our Savior. So if you'd like for the first time or maybe the first time in a long time um, to just pray to God and say, I'm yours. I just want to feel free to do that now. Like, you don't have to raise your hand. He actually knows the state of us, where we're at right now. Um, And we can just, in the stillness of of who we are, um, man, I just want to give us a little space here uh, just to uh, let the Lord speak to us and just to uh, wake us up more and more and more, that we would be alive and well in this community. Um, and, then, um, and if you are desiring to just be all in with Jesus, um, just in your own way, from your heart, just talk to him about that. You don't have to say it out loud. You can if you want. If you want to shout it out loud, we, go for it, man. I will pray with you. Uh, but let's just take a few moment, moments and just be with him and let him do what he wants to do in us this morning.